Questions are a natural part of our faith. As we seek to understand Scripture, as we work out the implication of faith in our lives, as circumstances challenge our understanding, it's natural to ask questions, to clarify, and to seek understanding. We're glad you regularly share your questions with us through email and social media. It keeps us digging into Scripture together to lay a solid foundation of faith for our lives. Today, let's discuss questions you've asked Groundwork recently about the Bible, assurance of faith, and where we turn for hope when life is not at all what we expected. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And uh, Dave, as we just said in the introduction, this is uh, one of two or three programs we do per year where the content of the program has been very much determined by our listeners because they've emailed us or Facebooked us or sent us a regular mail questions that uh, they've maybe thought of while listening to Groundwork this year or questions we've not tackled specifically recently on Groundwork. So that's what we're going to dedicate this program to. Right. Or even just um, regular listeners who have circumstances in their lives that prompt them to wonder or struggle or ask. And so they get in touch with us. And on every Groundwork program, we invite those listener comments and questions. So it would be quite remiss if we never addressed them or never attempted to answer them. So as you said, Scott, that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to begin with a rather big question about the Bible overall. A person named Kay writes, why is the Old Testament so important since the New Testament replaces it with the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Savior? I'm confused. And it is a good question. If you pay really close attention to groundwork the way our producer does, you know that we try to balance out Old Testament programs and New Testament programs. So we've done, in recent times, we've done series on the Gospel of Mark. We've uh, very recently done one on John, but we've also done Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, we've done Psalms. We've done stories out of Genesis. So we always try to get a balance of Old Testament and New Testament. And Kay's question is, well, why do we need that when right. the Gospel uh, is what reveals Jesus to us? This is a question the Church has wrestled with for a long time. Yeah, as you point out, it's a very ancient question. In fact, it goes all the way back, at least to the second century, where a Christian teacher named Marcion suggested that we just get rid of the Old Testament because it's not worthy of belief for Christians. You know, it, it's got a more violent God, it seems. It's all about Israel and the Jewish people. We even properly refer to it as the Hebrew Scriptures, so maybe that's for them. And in the New Testament, where God is seems to be more loving and more gracious, and it's all about Jesus, uh, we could just split and uh, focus only on the New Testament. So this is an ancient issue, and the church has altogether and always come down on the side of, no, no, the whole Bible belongs together. Old and new yep. are one message, really, essentially one message about who God is yep. and yeah, and indeed, the early church went so far as to declare Marcionism, the teaching of Marcion, as a heresy, in part because not just that he rejected the uh, the Old Testament, what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, but even suggested it must be a completely different God. The God of Yahweh is not the father of Jesus, so therefore that was rejected uh, as, as actually a heresy. Kay's question also touches on something else, which um, has been discussed in church history for a long time. Does the New Testament replace uh, 
the Old Testament. And there, there has been a temptation in church history for something called supersessionism, which is to say Israel of old isn't even important. The church completely supersedes that. The, the church displaces that. So Israel isn't even um, important. But, you know, Dave, the, the New Testament itself says that that's not right. And in fact, the, the writers, and you can see this in all of the Gospels, but it's very, very clear in places, particularly Matthew, who does more with Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament than probably the other three Gospel writers. But the church is presented as not a replacement for ancient Israel, but as its next stage. It is the new Israel. Jesus was in his own self the new Israel, which you can see uh, in the temptation stories like in Matthew. When, when Jesus resists the three temptations of the devil in the wilderness, he quotes Deuteronomy uh, to refute the devil all three times, which is Matthew's way of saying, where Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus, the new Israel, succeeds, and he's going to use Deuteronomy, which Israel had too, to do it. So there, there's that, that Jesus is uh, the son of David. He's in the line of David. He is the fulfillment of what was promised to David all the way back in 2 Samuel 7, right? So there, there's that continuity. And there's also the other thing, Dave, that you know the New Testament often refers to the scriptures and how they right. are God-breathed. Right. But they weren't referring or, to what they were writing. Or inspired. Right. We, we right. usually say, yeah. But they meant the Old Testament. Right. It's all inspired by God. You know, maybe even a more basic point, as you said, referring to Jesus himself, the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible, right? and he loved it. He quoted from it, and he said famously in Matthew chapter 5, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, and none of it will pass away until it's all been fulfilled. So if you want to ask as a Christian, why should we care about the Old Testament, the simplest answer to me is because Jesus did. <laughs> it was his Bible, and we want to be like him. We want to read it as he did. But I think we can go one step further, and you also alluded to this, Scott. The Old Testament is full of Christ. We mustn't look at these two different books and say, well, the Old Testament, that's just about you know the Jewish people and their history and the kings and all, all that. The New Testament is all about Jesus. No, in Jesus' own mind, the Old Testament was also about him. Uh, the prophets were full of information and predictions of his coming and of his ministry. In fact, he says in one uh, remarkable place in John chapter 5, near the end of John chapter 5, Moses wrote about me. And in Luke 24, after the resurrection, Almost the last thing Luke says is that Jesus opened the minds of his disciples and showed them all that the prophets and the law had taught about him. Right, and here's uh, Luke 24, verse 27. On the road to Emmaus, he meets this, this couple uh, who are so sad that Jesus died. And he says, you know, O foolish one, slow of heart. You, you need to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, Jesus himself said, the Old Testament points to me. Yeah, uh, I right. am. I am the fulfillment of everything that in, in those scriptures. So we not only need the Old Testament, we need it to understand Jesus properly. So that phrase, that wonderful phrase, beginning with Moses and the prophets, you could say Moses begins with Genesis. Right. The prophets end with Malachi. Everything from Genesis to Malachi points forward to Christ, and uh, we read the whole thing in the richness of the revelation it gives us of God's 
eternal purposes in uh, sending Christ into the world to be the Savior of his Old Testament saints and his New Testament saints both. Then that means that as Christians, we are unabashedly, unashamedly going to read the Old Testament different than our Jewish brothers and sisters. As my colleague uh, Calvin Mary Holst often says, if a Christian preacher preaches a sermon from the Old Testament that would go over just fine in your average synagogue, then it's not a good Christian sermon because we see Christ hidden in the Old Testament. We see the promises that are going to be fulfilled that will find their yes in Christ. That's all in there. Uh, So yeah, uh, to Kay's question, uh, we definitely need the Old Testament. We really can't make sense of Jesus without it. And anyway, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, finally Dave narrates one story, one sacred drama of redemption. And, uh, you know, you, you need the beginning of a story to understand it. So we yep. don't, don't want right. to lose uh, that vital background to the Gospels. And, and it's one God, one and the same God, not a God of wrath in the Old Testament and a God of grace in the New, but a God who is both gracious, loving, and holy, and righteous from beginning to end, and most fully revealed in the face of his Son, Jesus Christ. Well, that's a great question. Uh, We're about to go on to some more questions uh, that have to do more with personal spiritual struggle and the struggles of faith, and we'll turn to that next. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose with Dave Bast, and you're listening to Groundwork, and this is a listener question program. We've uh, received your questions that you've uh, emailed and Facebooked and sent uh, by mail to Groundwork in the past year. We just had a question from a listener named Kay who wondered why we still need the Old Testament when Jesus is revealed in the New Testament. We talked about that. But now we want to talk about some questions which, um, and we're recording this uh, near the very end of the year 2020, which was not a year anybody in the world expected with the pandemic, uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19 disease. Uh, with some racial unrest, major political movements in the U.S. and elsewhere. This has been a year, Dave, that's thrown us off kilter. Yeah. And so we have a a listener who sent an email. We're withholding the name, but it begins, LOL, please. And uh, LOL is tech shorthand for laugh out loud. And I don't think she means it in a ha-ha funny sense. No. Or he. It's uh, a kind of poignant sort of a laugh because the questioner goes on to say, if God honestly loves me, I would not feel so alone and everything would not be falling apart. Boy, that's a touching one. And I think it's one most of us can identify with at different times in our life. You know, Scott, a a number of years ago, I, I wrote a little book about the prophecy of Habakkuk. I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to claim it was a great book or anything, but I really like the title I came up with. I called it, Why Doesn't God Act More Like God? Mm. 
because that's exactly the kind of question Habakkuk has, the question this listener has. If God were really in control, if he really cared about me, if he really loved me, my life wouldn't be so painful. It wouldn't be such a mess. And that's a question that is really asked again and again in the Bible. And uh, we could uh, pair up with that some questions that have come in through our Facebook account. One listener wrote, where is God? Another listener wrote, why has God abandoned me? These are are gut-wrenching questions, and they come from people who are hurting. That much we can see very, very plainly. But I think one thing we want to point out initially, Dave, in, in tackling these questions, and of course, let's just admit that in the next you know five, six minutes of this segment, we're not going to be able to answer yeah, <laughs> definitively right. these questions. One thing I think we need to point out, because I think this can be somewhat comforting, is that you know what? You know where else you find these questions? Not just in our Groundwork Facebook page. It's, they're right in the Bible. Yeah, They are in the Psalms. Uh, they are in the Psalms of Lament, which, as we've noted before on Groundwork, as we've talked about Lament and other programs, fully one-third, almost 50 of the 150 Psalms are in the mode of Lament. It is in Lament where these exact questions get asked. So the point on that, Dave— believers ask these kinds of questions. Right. This is not the question of an unbeliever. This is not a sign of weak faith, but strong faith, robust faith. Believers pray this way. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a great example. One of the best examples from uh, the Psalms, uh, Psalm 13, a Psalm of Lament, which begins, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And then this note of hope at the end, I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. So, yeah, that, that great question, how long? Where's God? Why have you hidden your face? In fact, Martin Luther, who felt this very keenly himself in his own life, would talk about the hidden God, the God who seems to hide his face from us, the God who doesn't seem to be there. That's what these friends of ours are, uh, are expressing in their messages, and that's what we sometimes feel as well. And, and and we don't have a, a clear-cut answer. Why, do, why does God behave that way? No, in fact, there's a, a Latin phrase that uh, has been applied to various scripture passages, Deus absconditus, uh, the hidden God. Yeah. Why would God hide? Uh, why do you hide your face from me, O God? That's from another psalm of lament. So that's the first thing to notice. Psalm 13, just that psalm alone, Dave, tells these listeners who have sent us these questions that these are questions that come from faith. They are not uh, a sign of no faith. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't even bother to ask these questions. We don't fully understand why, but here is one thing that we do know, Dave. The irony of the Psalms of Lament, as we've noted in the past, is that they lament God's absence to God's face, right? These are still prayers directed to God. It's how, how long will you uh, abandon right. me? So we're talking to God. We can't see God. Uh, we're having a hard time locating God or seeing God active. And yet believers still yell these complaints 
to God. We are, even the Psalms of Lament acknowledge that we're always in God's presence. Whether we can see God very well or not, we are in God's presence. And with the exception of just one Psalm, which is Psalm 88, all of the Psalms of Lament do what Psalm 13 did, Dave, and what you just read. They turn a corner, either to say, that's how I prayed for a long time, where are you, God? But then he came through for me, and I'm rejoicing. Or they say, but I know he's going to come through for me, and I will rejoice because he will deal bountifully with me, as the last verse of Psalm 13 says. So there is always that turn uh, back towards some hope, but that is at least partly premised on the very idea that we know that even when we lament, we're lamenting to God. Yeah. And, and I think the struggle for all of us, I know it is for me when I'm feeling like this, is to try to distinguish between my feelings and my faith in what I believe to be objectively true, true about God. And I believe it primarily because God's Word says it, uh, because he's proved it in Jesus Christ and specifically in raising Jesus from the dead. And don't forget Jesus himself asked similar questions on the cross. Exactly. He quotes a psalm. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you, God? Uh, why have you forsaken me? So I just try to hang on to that, that that's true. That's who God is. And whether I feel it or not, he's going to eventually uh, prove himself to be such in my life too. And of course, bound up with all of this, Dave, are some of the deepest and most painful and most profound questions that relate to what is often called the problem of evil. Why doesn't God head off the pandemic? Why doesn't God prevent hurricanes and earthquakes? Why doesn't God prevent uh, drunk drivers who run over children and kill them? And we can't finally answer those questions. We did a whole series on the book of Job here on Grown Work a while back. We can't finally know all ends and, and all the, the ways of God, but we do maintain our belief that nothing can dethrone God, nothing can displace God, uh, and, and that is our hope. And speaking of hope, in just a moment, uh, we want to talk directly about that, about how we find hope and how we maintain hope, even in some of the most difficult of times. So stay tuned for that. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And uh, this listener question program, we've asked people in an email survey recently that we send out to our subscribers. Many of you receive an email every week when a new Groundwork program appears online. If you'd like to receive that, go to groundworkonline.com. You can sign up to get that email. Uh, but we send a survey out. What's the most pressing question or issue in your faith life right now? And not surprisingly, Dave, a lot of the responses uh, in 2020 
we're all about the pandemic. Right. Uh, is the world going to make it through the coronavirus? Uh, not being able to attend our church for fear of the virus has caused disunity in our congregations. How do we deal with that? Uh, how, how do we find hope? How do we find God's presence in, in the fight for social justice as well as the fight against the pandemic? I know God's in control but I'm hurting for those who don't know him and can't find those answers uh, in in this difficult, difficult time. So no surprise that uh, those are some of the most pressing issues people are talking about. Right. And uh, we've just been talking about those who kind of feel the absence of God, uh, wonder how God could love them when their life is falling apart. And incidentally, we do have a pretty short, pithy definition Uh, That proves God's love from Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we're sinners, Christ died for us. If you're wondering about that, just hang on to that fact. Christ died for you. But, you know, yeah, God is on the throne. God is in control. That's the message of the whole book of Revelation. Uh, We've often looked at those wonderful pictures from Revelation where despite all the chaos and turmoil and persecution, really, uh, uh, of the late first century Christian world where the Roman Empire was becoming increasingly opposed to uh, the gospel, John had this vision of heaven where God is reigning and the Lamb is there beside him. We can hold on to that even in the midst of turmoil because it's true. I also think it's important to point out, Dave, when we ask where God is in the midst of a pandemic like uh, coronavirus and the COVID-19 disease it causes, one of the answers to the question is where is God is maybe God's supposed to be seen in us. You know, I, I've been co-teaching a New Testament course on the Gospels uh, recently, and my colleague Mariano Avila has pointed out to the students that in the time before Jesus and not long after the life of ministry of Jesus, there were pandemics in the Roman Empire. There was disease that killed many, 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 many people. But in one of the ones that came after the founding of the church, historians like Eusebius tell us a lot of people fled. They just got out of town. But Christians stayed. Christians ministered. Christians reached out. So where was God in that pandemic? It was in those individual believers who rushed toward the trouble to try to help in Jesus' name. Yeah, absolutely. And what a witness that can be if in the midst of what our culture, our society has been experiencing, we could become voices of reason, agents of peace, of reconciliation, uh, beacons of hope even, uh, caring people who reached out and uh, tried to help those who were afflicted in some way. You know, there's a hundred different ways you can be a good neighbor. Uh, You can be the presence of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus in these times. It, it might just be helping someone who can't get out or is afraid to get out or or getting groceries for somebody. Use your imagination. Use your creativity. And we can be the presence of God and the light of hope in other people's lives. What a wonderful idea that is. <laughs> Indeed, and, and that can help others see God. Uh, reminded of Romans 12, which in the Bible I'm looking at uh, has a subtitle of this section, uh, The Marks of the True Christian. Uh, and Paul says, let love be genuine. But then, of course, he says in Romans uh, uh, 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep. And that's what we're called to do. Or we think of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. Jesus said, when you reach out to the hungry, and so many are hungry today, when you reach out to the lonely, to those who don't have enough clothing, you're basically ministering to me. 
I am those people, right. um, uh, and, and you are to see me that way. Here's another thought uh, from Scripture. If you're really wondering and you're feeling fearful, read the end of Romans chapter 8, where the apostle addresses many of our common fears, afraid that we might face condemnation or opposition or that we might face loss. The apostle says in the, this great series of rhetorical questions, Look, he who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him give us all things? So he's already given us Jesus. Do you think he's going to withhold finally anything from you that you need or want or desire for your joy? So, you know, hang on to that. Hang on to Romans 8:28. In all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that is gospel truth. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Dave Bast. Join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. Share what Groundwork means to you. Tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Media, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframemedia.com for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.